Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Crazy in Love is the true crime podcast that tells love stories with a twist. If he was still in love with his ex, it could kind of explain why he was hesitant to marry someone else. Sometimes the twist of a knife. Police's theory is that he tested her of the car, so later he could go back to the lot, take the car, and then use that car to mow down Justine. Just because things start off with once upon a time doesn't mean everyone lives happily ever after. This is Crazy in Love. A production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. I'm Courtney Armstrong, a true crime producer at KT Studios, joined by fellow producers Stephanie Lidecker, Jeff Shane, and Beth Greenwald. We've all worked for years on various crime podcasts and TV series, and as crime producers, we talk murder all the time. One thing we've noticed is just how many of them stem from love. We're exploring the story of the Good Samaritan, the lying husband, and the hit and run. In the rural town of Blue Ridge, Virginia, lived Justine Schwartz. She was a petite woman with blonde hair and blue eyes, and friends compared her to Barbie. But Justine never wanted to be a living doll. She was driven and focused on working hard. In college, at the age of 21, while working as a cashier at Lowe's, she met Eric Abshire. Eric was a former Marine who dreamt of owning his own construction business. 
At 26, he was still working to save money for his goal. And at the time, he was the manager at the same Lowe's that Justine worked at. Justine was attracted to Eric immediately. She described him as strong, decisive, and determined. She told her friends that she respected him and that that was very important to her. Justine was the quintessential good girl, hardworking and rarely drinking. On the other hand, Eric was a bad boy. He skipped college and admitted to picking fights in bars for fun. In the beginning, it seemed like Barbie had met her Ken. After six years of dating, Eric proposed to Justine with a beautiful $5,000 diamond ring at the end of 2005. For a young couple who was trying to save money, the ring seemed outside their budget, but Justine loved it. On May 28, 2006, the pair got married on top of a hill overlooking the vast Virginia landscape. It was a truly beautiful ceremony filled with family and friends. Here's Jeff. Our goal is always to shine a light on injustices and bring attention to stories that we feel need to be heard. In our work, we've noticed that many of these crimes stem from the same thing, love. And that's why we decided to call together some of the most egregious, shocking, and terrifying stories of relationships that took deadly turns. Our hope is to not only raise awareness about the victim and what happened to them, but also help listeners learn to look out for some of the warning signs in toxic situations that arise in their own lives. Justine and Eric dated for six years, and that might seem like a long time, but it's actually only a little bit longer than the average. We did a little research, and I was surprised to learn that most couples date for almost five years before getting married. Yeah, that's longer than I would have expected. And I think in this particular relationship, it might have taken that amount of time for them to get married because Eric was adamant that he did not want to get married to Justine. He had previously been married and already had two kids. And so doing it again was really just not in his plan. Justine, on the other hand, really wanted to have kids. She always dreamt of being married and being a mother. The couple went back and forth about this issue in their relationship. They even broke up a few times until after six years of dating, Eric finally relented and proposed. Beth, do you know what the couple was up to as they were planning this wedding? Justine just got her dream job at an elementary school. You know, she was a kindergarten teacher and Eric was really doing all this research to try and start up his construction business. So it kind of seems like Justine had all these plans for her life, get married, have kids, have this job. And Eric was acquiescing and giving her what she wanted, which was creating this dream life that she always planned. He'd already been married. He already had two kids. You know, he didn't want to do it again, but she wanted more than anything else to have a family and to be a wife. So I think he realized he had to give in to keep her. Yeah, I read that when he proposed, he kind of had the ring box and he kind of just said, you win. Let's do it. How romantic. But he seems like he was maybe really determined to make this work. He bought her this beautiful $5,000 engagement ring. And so he really went above and beyond and got her her dream ring, which speaks to maybe how serious he was about being married to her. It may have been less about the actual wedding itself and getting married and maybe more about the expense of having a full blown up wedding, which he maybe had had before. While for most couples, a wedding in the newlywed stage is supposed to be the happiest time of their lives. But for Justine and Eric, there were immediate cracks. Justine's parents remember that at the wedding, she seemed removed and almost down. She certainly was not a blushing and giddy bride. And Eric didn't even invite his children to the wedding. 
Furthermore, following the reception, Eric left on his motorcycle, leaving his new bride to spend a night in the hotel suite alone. After they were married, Eric immediately made plans to start building a new home for Justine and him to live in. While building their new home, the pair rented a small cinder block house on Fredericksburg Road in Ruckersville, Virginia. It was nestled in a heavily wooded area. Justine's sister Lauren said it felt like Justine was starting to pull away from her family and friends. She stopped calling them as much and didn't respond to text messages as often. She also wasn't going to as many family events as she used to. When Lauren confronted her sister about it, Justine assured her that everything was okay. She claimed she was just very busy with work and building the new home with Eric. Here's Jeff. What it looks like is that this is a classic sign of Eric trying to isolate Justine, which is a telltale sign of domestic abuse, from removing her from family events to driving a wedge between people that she once loved. Justine's family said they never liked Eric because it seemed like he wanted such different things out of life. Her mom also said that Eric never seemed like he was the one for Justine. According to loved ones, Eric was controlling. There was one time when Justine even rejected a bouquet of roses her friends had gotten her. Her explanation? Eric doesn't like when you give me gifts. But they were loving and supportive of Justine, so wanted to go along with the person that she loved. Yeah, Jeff, her family felt adamant that Eric was bad news, but other family members felt the opposite. Justine's cousin remembered that Justine was always happy and smiling, and Eric's older brother said that despite the cramped quarters of this home, they made it work. Why were they living in such a small house anyways? Money was certainly an issue for the couple. We were doing research, and it definitely shows that Justine and Eric were a bit underwater. Justine had some debt coming into the relationship from graduate school, but very quickly, they hit troubled times financially. Justine had asked her dad for a $40,000 loan. When she asked her dad for the loan, he said that he heard the desperation in her voice, but he couldn't do it. I looked into it, and Justine's parents were pretty successful. Her dad was a vice president for a telecommunications firm, and her mother owned an upscale culinary boutique. So perhaps Eric thought they had enough money to loan out. Eric was having problems getting a bank loan. He said it was because of his divorce and issues with his ex-wife and her credit debt. Justine's credit cards were completely maxed out. And her checks were beginning to bounce, and she began withdrawing money from a retirement account that she had been saving. And it also turns out that Justine had to buy her own engagement ring, which is extremely significant. Wait, that beautiful $5,000 engagement ring that Eric gave her, she paid for? She purchased it herself. Oof. That's like insult to injury. It's like, you don't want to really marry her. He probably was like, yeah, get yourself a ring and I'll do it. It might be antiquated to look at it this way, but the man should pay for the engagement ring. That's just traditionally what happens. And so for someone who wanted this traditional life, like Justine, that was probably a big blow and kind of embarrassing. 100%. And also a bit of a tell because... By all accounts, Justine had a very structured background, especially financially speaking. So for her to engage in something that was going to put her more in debt was also considered out of character. She also lied to her family about it, which is very telling. On November 2nd, 2006, Justine colleagues said she looked distraught at school. According to them, Justine's eyes were swollen shut, her face was flushed, and it looked like she'd been crying. Justine didn't seem like herself, wearing sunglasses inside, not talking to fellow teachers, and leaving right when the bell rang. Hours later, she would be dead. 
Early the following morning, on November 3rd, 2006, Eric spoke to the police in a panic. On November 1st, 2006, Eric called the police in a panic. Justine had been hit by a car on a desolate road. When officers arrived, Justine was dead. Eric filled in officials on how she ended up there. According to him, Eric came home that night and had a fight with Justine. She said she needed to cool off and went for a drive. She then called Eric with car troubles. He told her to wait there, that he would come and get her on his motorcycle. When he arrived 10 minutes later, she was about 200 yards from her car, dead. Eric told police that, shocked, he picked up Justine's body and put her in his lap. According to him, Eric stayed with her like that for some period of time. Then, despite having a cell phone in his pocket, he ran to knock on doors, begging someone to call 911. When later asked why he didn't use his own phone to make the call, Eric told police he was stressed and forgot he had it. The crash was being looked at as a hit and run. Justine was very close with her parents, and when they got a call notifying them that Justine was dead, they were devastated. However, that sorrow turned to confusion as they learned more about the circumstances surrounding her death. The way Justine died just didn't make sense for a variety of reasons. The first being, why was Justine out so late walking on a desolate road by herself? The teacher was afraid of the dark, so afraid that her parents had once said she was scared of her own shadow. The idea that she would be on this dark, twisty road, let alone get out of her car on that freezing cold night, just made no sense. Furthermore, Justine's keys, cell phone, purse, and even a flashlight were found on her 2002 Mustang. Why would she not have brought those with her when she left the car? The community of Blue Ridge, Virginia, abuzz with the tragic story, was starting to cast a shadow of doubt on the so-called hit and run. Two days after Justine's memorial service, her mother was eating at a local diner when a waitress cryptically told her that Justine was not killed in a hit and run. The waitress told Justine's mom that she was murdered and Eric was the prime suspect. While the waitress had no way of knowing for sure, it was this type of gossip that quickly spread. However, police did not have enough evidence to charge Eric with any crime. So for a time, it was just small town chatter. According to the autopsy, Justine died of blunt force trauma and severe blood loss. She had 113 external injuries on her body. However, there were some clear inconsistencies. According to the lead pathologist of the state medical examiner, there was no gravel, sand, grit, or debris in any of Justine's wounds. Also, the fractures in her legs were not consistent with being hit by a car. On top of that, the injuries to her chest, head, and pelvis would be very unusual to find in someone struck by a car. Officials noted that Justine's injuries, particularly her scalp and facial lacerations, would have caused profuse bleeding, leaving lots of blood at the location where Justine was killed but police found just a small amount of blood at the scene. Eric shared his concerns to the police about catching the driver. Here's a portion of the audio. Whoever did it, never did have to break, tried to slow down, tried to swerve away from it. Wow, so Eric knew right away that there wasn't a lot of evidence in the so-called hit and run and was worried that it would hinder the investigation. I feel like you could take this two ways. The first being that he was interested in finding the killer, 
The other interpretation is that he was just checking to see how much police actually knew, hoping that the lack of evidence would stall their efforts to catch the killer because maybe he was involved. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Here's Beth. 
Police had Justine's car checked out by several independent technicians, and all of them said the same thing. They were unable to find anything wrong with it. And I believe one of the officers at the scene even said that he put the key in, started, put it into gear, and it was operating just fine. It had gas in the tank, and again, it quickly started several times. Battery was fully charged. There weren't any loose spark plugs or connections. And according to the mechanics, Justine's car had no mechanical defects, which would have caused it to break down. So it didn't really make sense. That seems like a major lie. He told the police that she said the car was broken down, but the car is not broken down. He's building an alibi. You also have inconsistencies to her injuries, and now you have inconsistencies to the story because the car was fully functioning. I would imagine for investigators that would immediately point the finger at Eric as at least a person of interest. Additionally, as detectives looked into the couple's financial situation, it turns out it was much worse than anyone ever thought. And it wasn't just a few credit cards here and there that were maxed out. It was literally every credit card that the couple had. And furthermore, Eric was actually $85,000 in debt. And for someone who is supposed to be responsible, which is one of the things Justine loved about him, this is egregious. He's trying to start a business. He's trying to start a life. And he's almost $100,000 in debt. That doesn't add up. And that also was a bit of a red flag to authorities. So police began looking into Eric's movements, basically everywhere he had been prior to Justine's death. And his ex, the woman he had been married to and had two children with, her name is Allison. That's when she came into the picture because she told officials that in the days leading up to the death, Eric had called Allison 43 times. And on one call, specifically at 11.46 p.m., the night of Justine's death, Eric, of course, called Allison. And on that call, she claims that he asked her if she would ever be with him again. And she responded by saying, definitely not, not as long as you're married. And then 70 minutes later, Justine was dead. So it seems like he has a fair amount of motive, you know, between financial problems and maybe being in love with his ex-wife. There's a lot of reasons why Eric would want Justine dead on the side of the road. And according to research by the FBI, money is actually one of the top motives for murder. Yeah, and if he was pining for his ex and it was the only woman he was married to, it could kind of explain why he was hesitant to marry someone else if he was still in love with his ex. Right, Beth, you mentioned that Justine had asked her dad for a loan. And now when you know that Eric's $85,000 in debt... That request now, kind of, you can look at that in a different light. Like, was she being put up by her husband to ask her dad for that? And then when he said no, did Eric start to get desperate? If she was no longer an ATM, if she was no longer providing resources for him to open up his construction business, maybe she wasn't of use to him anymore. I wonder if he stood to gain financially off of her death. Police continued to look into Eric's life and discovered that he stood to profit greatly off of his wife's death. Following their wedding, Eric took out insurance policies on Justine that totaled $1.5 million. He was the sole beneficiary. One of the policies specifically granted a payout if there was an accident involving an uninsured motorist. A hit and run would fall under this umbrella. Detectives also found an insurance policy on Justine that they believe had a forged signature in Justine's name. While the case against Eric began to build, it wasn't enough to make an arrest. But the more police learned about Eric, the more he looked less like a grieving husband and more like a conniving killer. Adding to their suspicion, Eric was not at all helpful during the investigation. Here's a portion of a recording of him being interviewed by police. 
The question is, um, if need be, would you submit to a polygraph examination? No, not that deal. Any reasoning for that? Yes, because I know they're completely in a misformed court, so it's pointless to take one. In this interrogation, the police officer asks Eric if they needed it, would he take a polygraph? Eric says no. The police officer asks why, and he says because they're inadmissible in court, so it's pointless to even do one. He's not wrong. According to the Virginia state law, polygraph tests cannot be used as evidence in court. They are inadmissible in court, but they also are viewed as a real indication of a person's desire to be helpful to authorities. And although they're not admissible, the findings are helpful for authorities. At the bare minimum, if you know you didn't do it, taking a polygraph and passing it would probably take you out of the line of fire for authorities to be investigating you. So you would, of course, do it. Polygraph aside, it just doesn't seem like he was really being of assistance or have a drive or a passion to figure out what happened to her. And that to me is really strange. You lose the person that, you know, till death do us part. She died under such a horrific uh, circumstances. Wouldn't Eric want to know what happened to her? And that's a real tell about his character. In fact, to your point, Beth, after Justine's death, her friends and family began comparing stories. And these stories they referred to as, quote, violent Eric stories. And one family member remembers a story about Eric storming into the apartment and he apparently shoved Justine against a wall. Her other friend said that before the wedding, Justine actually told her that she was afraid of Eric which is really hard to do. And there were also always these rumors that Eric was actually cheating on Justine. We also did some digging and found that in 2002, Eric had been charged with malicious wounding. Malicious wounding basically means causing someone serious physical injury. The charges stemmed from an issue that Eric had had with his ex, Allison. He claimed that it was in self-defense, but police clearly didn't see it that way. The malicious wounding charge from July 2002 was certified to a grand jury before it was eventually dropped after the victim moved away and left no forwarding address. It's also important to note that Justine's parents found out about these charges just one day after their daughter died. The abuse wasn't just physical. Justine's close friend also remembered a time when they visited Eric while he was working at a local Best Buy. During the visit, he called Justine, quote, stupid and dumb multiple times. Eric also had a terrible nickname for his loving wife, The Thing. So aside from this, there was also some other things that started to come out that would make it look pretty bad for Eric. About two weeks after Justine was killed, a potential new clue surfaced. Apparently, a black Ford Expedition SUV was reported stolen from a local car dealership. The car was reported stolen on October 29th, just five days before Justine's fatal hit and run. And now this might seem irrelevant, but it comes back into play because on November 11th, almost two weeks after Justine's death, that stolen SUV was found in an empty storage unit located in the same storage facility where Eric was renting a unit. That storage facility is located also just a mile from the spot where Justine was found dead. When the police found the car, they immediately went to the dealership and questioned who had the car and how did the car get stolen. And according to the dealership's records, the last person to test drive the car before it was stolen was Eric Abshire on October 27th. The dealership officials told police that he took the car for a test drive and after he returned back to the dealership, he said that he lost the key. They accepted this and let him go on his way. But a few days later, that SUV was stolen off the lot. Police began to believe that this expedition was the same car that killed Justine. He actually was plotting this and he stole the car? 
police's theory is that he test drove the car to steal the key so later he could go back to the lot take the car stash it at his storage unit and then use that car to mow down justine wouldn't that be a real tell to police or at least a starting place to look into this if they have identified him as the last person to have driven that car wouldn't they just go straight to his house and do an investigation it seems like a lot of circumstantial evidence and nothing concrete at this point but the police would eventually get something that was much more concrete Let's stop here for another quick break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5-gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. A major break in the case came in April of 2009, five months after the night Justine was killed. A man named Cecil Roebuck was watching the news and remembered something that could possibly help the police. 
The story is kind of confusing, so I'll try to keep it simple. Cecil recalled that on the night Justine died, he was lost on an unfamiliar dark country road. He was turning around in a driveway when, according to him, out of nowhere, a man flagged him down asking for help. The man told Cecil that his car was about to run out of gas and asked him if he could follow him to a gas station in case he ran out of gas on the way. Cecil was lost, so this was great because the gas station was on the main road, so he could help the man but also get himself back on track. Cecil pulled out and began to follow the car. A few miles down the road, the man he was following pulled over and said that his car ran out of gas. He asked Cecil if he could just drive him home instead. Cecil told the man he didn't mind taking him to get gas and then bringing him back to his car, but the man insisted. His house was so close by. Cecil then told police that he dropped the man off at a small cinder block house on Fredericksburg Road. He was also able to positively identify the man as Eric Abshire. So it seems like Eric was driving to or from the scene of the crime and needed to ditch one of the cars and use Cecil to do it. It's really wild to think that Eric would have this whole plan to kill his wife, and part of that plan would be to rely on the idea that a stranger would come by and help him finish the job. The way I justify that in my head is that the original plan was for Eric to just do everything on foot, but he got tired, perhaps his adrenaline was running out, and he saw Cecil, so just decided to get a ride and make the whole night much easier. The defense argued that the prosecution's star witness had a reason to lie. There was a $50,000 reward for information offered by Justine's parents and that Cecil needed money and was also hoping to receive favorable treatment from prosecutors in connection with two charges he was facing for a different matter. However, Cecil testified that he didn't seek or receive any special treatment for his tip about Eric. Such a weird move, though, if you're a killer to actually have somebody, A, be able to identify you and also be able to identify you and and your home. But he's also spent so much of his life lying. You know, he lied to Justine. He lied to his ex. He's a liar. And so he probably thought they'll just believe this one other lie. And, you know, he's gotten away with it so far. So why wouldn't he continue to get away with everything he says? Finally, police also looked at Eric's cell phone records to determine his whereabouts the night of Justine's death. He had previously told police that he was visiting his mother in the hospital until about 11.30 p.m. before coming home. However, his phone didn't ping off any tower near the hospital. In fact, according to the records, he was in the vicinity of his home and the scene of the crime. Also, detectives found that between November 2nd and November 3rd, Eric made 397 phone calls. Just to note, the average person makes around five phone calls a day. Eric clearly talked on the phone a lot. But in between 12.08 a.m. and 1.19 a.m. on November 3rd, he didn't use his cell phone at all. Now, in a normal circumstance, that might not seem weird, but for Eric, who was on the phone all the time, it was strange. This time period was right when Justine died. Police surmised that he couldn't be on his phone because he was busy killing her. Also, remember, Eric told police it took him a while to call 911 because he was running around trying to find someone who could call for him. He had supposedly forgotten his cell phone was in his pocket. Does someone who uses their phone 397 times in one day just suddenly forget they have one? As we also know, cell phone records are so often a linchpin in nailing a suspect. And as we see here, Eric Abshire was no different. Cell towers and call logs don't lie. It's impossible for even the most skilled liar to get around them. With all of the pieces in place, officials arrested Eric and charged him with murder. This was nearly four years after Justine Abshire's death. The prosecution laid out their theory. Eric beat Justine to within an inch of her life. He then drove her to a desolate road in her car. 
From there, he ran a mile to the storage unit and got the stolen expedition, which he used to run Justine over. He then drove the car back to the storage unit and on his way home, hitched a ride with Cecil Roebuck. Once he was home, Eric drove back to the scene on his motorcycle and called 911. The case was built around the idea that Eric murdered Justine for monetary gain. He ended up filing for bankruptcy in 2009. The jury also heard how, in the months leading up to the fatal night, Justine had changed. She'd once been kind and loving, but became withdrawn and a shell of her former self. She was under Eric's abusive and controlling spell. Additionally, the prosecution had an expert testify that Justine's cause of death was not from being hit by a car, but rather being strangled to death. At 5 p.m. Tuesday, October 25th, 2008, a jury of eight women and four men found Eric Abshire guilty of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to life in prison. With their daughter's killer finally behind bars, Justine's parents have urged domestic violence victims to come forward before it's too late. If you're enjoying Crazy in Love, listen to seasons one and two of The Piketon Massacre, another KT Studios production, and follow us on Instagram at KT underscore studios. Crazy in Love is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Beth Greenwald, Chris Graves, Lisa DiGiovine, Jeff Shane, Tim Hamilton, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Additional editing by Davey Cooper-Wasser. Crazy in Love is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.